Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. I'm so excited to have Javasia here on the podcast today. But before we begin with that, I have a special shout out for Alexis Higgins on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. She is one of our recent giveaway winners. And so part of the winning is sharing how she is surviving and thriving this week. And so here you go, Alexis, this one's for you. So Alexis is surviving this week. She said, I'm surviving my new job as programming director. I'm trying to get adjusted to my role and my teammates. So far, it's going great. My weekly reminder is to not be afraid of starting over. This time, I'm not starting from scratch. I'm starting from experience. Ooh, that's powerful. I love that. How is Alexis thriving? This week, I'm thriving by being consistent with my self-care routine. I'm making sure I'm treating myself with love and respect. I'm also making sure I don't get overwhelmed by my job. Shout out to you, Alexis. It sounds like you really are surviving and thriving this week. And I appreciate you so much for continuing to listen along and to participating in our giveaway. And I hope that you're doing well on the coast. All right, now let's get back to our episode with Javasia. Javasia Harris-Bowser is an award-winning freelance journalist and the founder of C. Jane Wright, which a friend of hers once called the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pins. C. Jane Wright is a website and community for women who write and blog that Javasia founded in 2011 in her hometown of Birmingham, Alabama. Today, C. Jane Wright serves and brings together women from across the country and around the world. Named one of Birmingham's top 40 under 40, Javasia believes we can all write our way to the life of our dreams, a message she often conveys to the women of C. Jane Wright. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020, she learned how to write her way through her worst nightmare too. Javasi was included in Southern Living's magazine list of innovators changing the South, alongside household names, which are my favorite, Dolly Parton and Reese Witherspoon, and as a recipient of the 2022 Alabama Council on the Arts Fellowship with a focus on women's lifestyle, wealth, and wellness. Javasia has written for a number of local, regional, and national media outlets, including USA Today, Business Insider, HerMoney.com, Good Grit Magazine, and the Birmingham Times. In 2020, her column for Birmingham Magazine was awarded Best Magazine Column by the Alabama Press Association. Javasia is a proud graduate of the journalism programs at the University of Alabama and the University of California at Berkeley. When she isn't writing, you can find Javasia reading books, eating tacos, listening to Beyonce, or spending time with her husband, Edward. Welcome to the podcast, Javasia. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So every podcast, I love to kick it off with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And I'll kick us off as we're thinking through that. Um, How am I surviving this week? I think it's been 
just an interesting week of of crazy hurricanes potentially hitting the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I lived there for several years. And so the impact of it falling along the same lines of Hurricane Katrina anniversary um, has just really resonated with me this past week. And my heart goes out to that community and how resilient they are. But that's just something that I've just been kind of wrestling with this week, along with some other pretty big headlines happening globally. But it's just been an interesting week to absorb news and to digesting all of that and then not letting it negatively impact your week. But um, that's kind of how I'm surviving this week is just being inundated with a lot of just mixed messages in regards to just news topics. And then how am I thriving this week? Well, um, it has been a really good week of working on strategy. I'm a, a director of marketing strategy for an agency here in Birmingham and It's been really fun kind of getting to break down the business from all sides and figuring out a way forward for the client. And so that's been really encouraging and fun to kind of walk through. Um, And so that's how I'm currently surviving and thriving this week. What about you, Javasia? So on the surviving end, this past week has been very, very stressful. I have fallen into the trap of saying yes to too many things which I had actually gotten very good about not doing. And <laughs> I've suddenly fallen back into that. And so that has caused a lot of anxiety. Um, but um, I had a talk with my therapist and that really helped. And so I'm trying to just kind of work through all of that. As far as how I'm thriving, I've been very, very dedicated to my workout regimen this past week, which I feel like it's helping me with the anxiety and also just helping me overall. So that would be how I'm thriving this week. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to not over promising and under delivering, but I definitely say yes to like almost everything. And it's something that I have to <laughs> consciously work on. So I'm right there with you and good for you for kind of getting an established workout routine. That's something I've been struggling with a little bit week over week, but I'm glad that you're feeling really empowered to do that. It's awesome. Give us a snapshot into where you've been to where you are now. Okay. Um, so I am from Birmingham originally, but then I lived in a bunch of other places. Um, before I moved back to Birmingham, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky And there I worked for a newspaper there. I left that job because I really wanted to teach. And so I left that job and moved back to Birmingham to teach at the Alabama School of Fine Arts, which I'm actually a graduate of as well. And I did that for 10 years, but writing has always been my first love. And so in 2019, I left the classroom to be a full-time freelance writer um, but along the way, I'd also started an organization called C. Jane Write. It's a, a community for women who write and also a website. It started out as just me wanting to hang out with other women writers, but it has since turned into a business. So I like to call myself a full-time writerpreneur because I'm a writer and an entrepreneur. So, so yeah, I'm a fr- full-time freelance writer and I run CJ Jane Write. So and through that, I do coaching and um, workshops and I have, a, um, like I said, a, a membership community as well. So so yeah, that's the the Cliff's Notes version, the 
the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> yes, no, I get that completely. And I really picked up on the part about, you know, being a breast cancer survivor. And so kind of walk us through that. And what did you learn about yourself during that season of life and how has it impacted you today? Yeah. So, um, I, anyone who follows me on social media knows this, I've been very open about it. Um, but in January of 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And of course we all know that two months later, (laughs) the world shut down, um, because of COVID. So, um, having to go through breast cancer treatment during a pandemic, um, was, not the best, (laughs) but, um, you know, you asked the question of what I learned about myself. You know, honestly, the number one thing I learned is that I'm stronger than I thought I was. And, and not saying that I thought I was a punk before cancer, (laughs) because, you know, I've always felt like I was pretty strong. I always thought that cancer was the one thing that I would never be able to handle. Um, I even, I wrote about this on my blog and in my book that I'm working on. I used to say, like when something really bad would happen to me, I would say, well, at least it's not cancer. Like I would actually say that because in my head, I felt like that was the one thing I would never be able to handle. And then of course, you know, it happens and, and I did handle it. And, um, handle it pretty gracefully if I'm going to say so myself. And so I just learned that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. I also learned that it is okay to say no, and it is okay to take a break because last year I had to drastically reduce the amount of work that I did because I'm a workaholic. That's just, I've always been one. And part of that is because I actually like work. But another part of it is there's this part of me that thinks that if I'm not doing all the things all the time, that everything's going to fall apart. And last year, I couldn't do all the things all the time. Uh, And not just because of COVID, but because chemotherapy drained me so much that I just didn't have the energy to do the amount of work that I used to do. And, And everything was okay. The world didn't end just because I wasn't working all the time. And so I learned that I can take a break. And I would say the third thing I learned is that good things really can come from bad things. You know, you hear people say that and it sounds trite, but it really is true um, because so many good things have come out of this breast cancer diagnosis. I mean, am I saying I'm glad I got it? Of course not. I would much rather not have it, obviously. Uh, But so I've been able to help so many other women. I've developed so many different relationships with other women because of this diagnosis. And, And so, yes, I've learned that good things can come from really terrible things. Going a little bit further into, you know, what really inspired you to want to be a writer slash entrepreneur? I'm, I'm trying to combine the two words in my head. Would you mind re-saying it? Writerpreneur. A writerpreneur. <laughs> so what inspired you to be a writerpreneur? So even though I'm like combining them, they really are separate things because 
I can't really say anything inspired me to be a writer because writing is something that I've just always done. My mom says that I've been writing since I could sit up straight. So it's just something that I've always done. It's how I understand myself. It's how I understand the world. It's how I cope with things. It's how I celebrate things. So writing is just something that's always been a part of me. So I can't really say something inspired it because it's always been there. I can't remember a time in my life when I was not a writer. As far as entrepreneurship, I think that's something that I had sort of a taste for even as a child, even before I could pronounce the word (laughs) entrepreneur. I think I wanted to have my own thing, if you will. But, um, but I didn't really set out to be an entrepreneur, if I'm honest. Um, I, in fact, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because, as I mentioned before, CJ and Wright wasn't supposed to be a business. It was just I wanted a group for women writers and the kind of group I was looking for I couldn't find because I wanted a group that accepted women who did all types of writing. Um, And most of the groups I found were for a very particular genre of writing, um, like romance or children's novels or whatever, children's books. And um, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I kept asking around. And as I was asking around, people kept saying, well, you should just start it. And I was like, no, I'm not trying to do that. (laughs) But then I did. I said no for two years. And then finally I did. And so I started this group, but again, it wasn't meant to be a business. I just wanted to hang out with other women writers. And, um, but then it just started growing and people started actually asking me if they could give me money, (laughs) which is a really good position to be. Yeah, because I was hosting all of these events. But again, it wasn't a business. So I wasn't charging for any of the events. And I was just paying for everything out of pocket. My husband, of course, was like, um, what you doing? <laughs> this is becoming a very expensive hobby of yours. Yeah. Like, um, you know, you have high valued content though. So people are like, hey, I will pay you for this. Like that's a good story yeah. all the way around. Yeah. So people started coming to up to me during the events and they would say, well, how can I become a member? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And how can I, you know, because to me, the community was just like, you know, if you're hanging out with me, you're part of the community. And I started a Facebook group and I was like, okay, you're in the Facebook group, so you're a member. But then people were like, no, like, how can I pay dues to help support what you're doing? And I was like, oh, but like I said, I wasn't a business, so I couldn't accept people's money. So I um, did the stuff that I needed to do to become a legal business so that I could start accepting people's money. Um, And so that's how the membership got started. And then um, also along the way, people were always coming to me for advice. And so I would meet with people and give them feedback on things and answer their questions. And then one day, a friend of mine who's a business coach told me, you know what you're doing is called coaching and consulting and people actually get paid for that. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I was not getting paid for this. I was just, people would like, you know, 
pay for my smoothie at the coffee shop where we met, but that was it. Um, and so, so from there, I started the coaching program and consulting and all of that. So the business just kind of grew. It was never the initial intention, but I, I do love it. I like, I mean, there are some things I don't like, like bookkeeping, but, <laughs> but I do like uh, the business side of writing. Yeah. And going back to the community, see Jane Wright and thinking through that, how did the name come about? Like what inspired the name? I'm curious. And, yeah, and so it's, walk us through just kind of like from like things that you learned from the very beginning of starting that community, like, okay, next time I'm not going to do that. Or maybe I would try doing this differently. Like what are some of the um, successes and maybe some opportunities that you learned along the way with that? Um, so the name is a play on the Dick and Jane books. Um, if your listeners are very young, they may not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, you know, the Dick and Jane books, they would have those short sentences that would say like, see Jane run, see Jane skip. And so it's a play on that. Um, as far as things that I have learned, that could be an entire <laughs> podcast episode. As far as what I would do differently, you know, I'm not sure that I would do anything differently. And that's not to say that I did everything right. But what I'm saying is that I learned along the way. And so if I had, if I had done things differently, then that learning process wouldn't have happened. For example, you know, like I said, it didn't start out as a business. So I spent a lot of money on CJ and Wright before I ever made any money. And so I could have started it out if I'd known better, if I'd known that this was something that people were going to actually pay for, I could have started with it being something that people paid for. I'm sort of glad I didn't because those early days were just really special and, um, and they would have felt different if it had been a business immediately. Not being a business and then transitioning into one certainly did have its challenges because while there were some people who, as I said, were actually asking to give me money, there were other people who were like, you know, who who wanted it to be free and expected it to always be free. And so that has been challenging, trying to get people to understand that there is even something else out there that they can actually pay for because I still have the free Facebook group. And so a lot of people are very active in the Facebook group and they don't even understand that that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, um, so yeah, I guess just trying to make that transition from not a business to an actual business has been challenging. Yeah. I think like you said, with anything, you just kind of learn along the way and there's ups and downs and you figure it out on the spot and some things you plan for and some things happen and just organically. And I think that's what makes it a really just approachable type brand experience when you're kind of taking it from that approach. As a woman, what role does the written word play in society? And over time, how have you personally found your own voice in the mix of all of that? Um, I think the written word is so important because it's a vehicle for a woman to share her story. And I think there's so much power in that. 
Um, because I think that when you share your story, you empower the people who read it um, because you let them know that they're not alone. If you're sharing a struggle that you've had and then someone reads it and they're like, oh my gosh, I have this struggle too. I thought I was the only one. Also, when they see you struggle with something but come out on the other side of it, it shows them that they can do the same thing. So you're empowering other people when you share your story, but you also empower yourself when you share your story. And that's something that I always preached, but I really, really experienced that last year because of my cancer diagnosis, because I was diagnosed in January and I didn't start um, going public per se with it until May. And to be honest, the only reason I did then is because I was starting chemo. And so I knew I was going to lose my hair. And so people obviously were going to know something was up. I mean, I could have hidden it with a wig, but I didn't feel like doing all that. <laughs> so I, um, I knew that people were going to know, obviously, even though we were in COVID. And so I wasn't seeing people in person. I was still very active online. And so people were going to see me like in a Facebook live or on an Instagram story or something. And they would, I, I used to have extremely long, extremely thick hair. I was known for my hair. So for me to go from that to no hair was definitely going to get people's attention. And so I knew I had to just tell people. And, um, and I'm so glad I did because I felt there was this sense of empowerment that came from just you know, sharing my story. Um, so, so that's why I feel like women should, should write, they should share their story. And if, even if writing isn't your thing, find another way to share your story. It's just so important to do that. And as far as like finding your voice, I don't think we have to find our voice. Like it's already there. It's just a matter of honing it and that is something that just happens over time and that's why you just have to keep doing it you have to just keep writing keep sharing and you will become more and more confident in how you share your story and more confident in what your voice truly is yeah and I think the key ingredient to your point about just how powerful and empowering storytelling can be as women engage in conversations surrounding their story, it comes from a really vulnerable place too. And for a lot of people that can be really hard to put yourself out there in that way and to open yourself up for feedback or criticism. And I think that that's why a lot of people get hesitant in wanting to explore different mediums of storytelling. And it's funny because I feel like some of the best stories come from some of the darkest and hardest times in your life. Yeah, and I even I even think back to like the podcast when I started, you know, a couple of months ago, however long it's been. But it was a moment in my life where I felt like I didn't have a voice. And in some ways, this was very therapeutic for me to find a form of expression that mm-hmm. made sense for myself and hopefully brought people along a, a collective journey of, of self-discovery and, and stories of success and just hard lessons learned across the board. And so I think it, it takes time to kind of hone in on your voice and, and feel the confidence to go out there and share it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So at times, you know, it really feels like mainstream media can be 
really biased and I would love to get your perspective as as a writer. What are ways that you personally stay informed to better understand the news and situations that are happening around the world and in society? Because I think at times we can get so bogged down in in what we're being told and we're not going out and seeking understanding for ourselves. So what resources do you use? Yeah, and I think that's the key to figure out what you actually think about things. So here's the thing. Even though I'm a journalist, I will say that I believe all news is biased. And I'm not saying that in a, from a place of judgment. Um, the point I'm making is news is presented by humans. And I don't believe that a human being is capable of being neutral. I just don't believe that. I never have. I, you know, all through J school, I said that I don't believe a human being is capable of being neutral. So this idea of trying to find news that is 100% neutral, that's let that go. Instead, what you need to do is you need to make sure you are very in tune with what the slant might be from this particular organization that you're getting your information from. So what is their slant going to be? Are they, um, you know, a a very liberal publication? Is it a right-wing publication? Is it, you know, are they more moderate? Are they pro-woman? Are they really trying to elevate voices of people of color? Like you need to know what the angle is and keep that in mind as you are consuming the content. And another thing I think we need to do is be willing to get our information from various sources instead of just one. And so that way you can see these different perspectives on different things that are happening. And then you take the facts You know, so the story you're presented is going to be biased, as I said, but there will be facts in there. And so you take the facts, you take the different perspectives that you're getting, and then you decide for yourself how you feel about things. Um, I think that is the responsible way of consuming news and information as opposed to only listening to one source and taking everything that is ever said from that one source as the gospel. I think that can be very dangerous. Yeah, that's a great point. So recently you published an article in honor of Black Women's Equal Pay Day, uh, which was in August, um, and it discussed the importance of Black women negotiating salaries. Why do you feel like today is such an important time, especially to be covering this area of conversation or this topic of the conversation? Yeah, so I mean, I think this is always an important topic, honestly. Um, And one thing I will say is that, so here's the issue. Black women make 63 cents for every dollar that a white man makes, right? So um, Black Women's Equal Pay Day was on August 3rd. And that date is based on, that is how much into this year Black women would have to work in order to make the amount of money that a white man made in 2020. 
that obviously is an issue, right? So I don't think that it is the responsibility of Black women to fix that problem. However, I also don't want to tell myself or other Black women that we've got to just sit back and, and accept this and wait for somebody to come around and change it. So in the meantime, what I would like to do is empower Black women to negotiate their salaries and ask for what they deserve, because we all know that women in general, not just Black women, but women in general, typically don't negotiate their salaries. They just take what's offered, whereas men are more likely to negotiate. That's why I thought it was important to to have that, to put out that article giving Black women those tips. And honestly, there are tips that all women could use. But, you know, I did write that piece with Black women in mind, particularly. While we are fighting for change, I think it's also important to give people, to arm people with some information and resources that sort of empowers them to to try to better their situation right now. You know, like that, the gender pay gap is gonna take a long time to fix. But in the meantime, I want to help as many black women as possible get paid what they need to get paid. Yeah, I think it's a super relevant topic and it's it's been an ongoing topic of conversation for far too long. And so I just am excited that you're engaging in some of those more difficult conversations, but that are so needed to make people even aware of that mm-hmm. and then to to advocate for that change. And again, not putting that on a specific group of individuals to figure that out. But I think if if we all come together collectively and point out, hey, this is an area that we need to fix or an area that's just not right. And let's let's right that wrong and figure out how we can make it even better in the future. And I to your point, I do think <laughs> Just in general, I've, I've always had difficulty in trying to communicate the importance and value of why I deserve that increase in salary. I think that stems from me personally. I don't want to speak for all women and generalize them, but I do feel like it's hard to put a number on the value that you bring to the conversation or to the table. And for myself, sometimes I can devalue myself in ways that are just not a healthy approach at looking at all the amazing things you're actually achieving for this group or client or organization. And um, I even think we as women have to get better about talking about ourselves in a Mm -hmm. positive, helpful light that helps us get to that conversation about salary expectations moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you think about salary negotiation, to do that, women have to do all the things that we're told not to do. So you're not supposed to brag about yourself, right? You're not supposed to talk about money. It's tacky to talk about money, right? So, and and you're not supposed to like make other people uncomfortable or, you know, all the things that women are told we aren't supposed to do, you have to do those things to negotiate your salary. And so that's, I think, why it's so difficult right? Because obviously it's a conversation about money. You have to brag about yourself. Um, But remember what Muhammad Ali said, it's not bragging if you can back it up, (laughs) right? So like everybody in that conversation is going to be uncomfortable. 
but oh well, <laughs> you know, let's, yeah. let's have it anyway. Yeah, it's definitely worth the conversation. I think we have to get used to being uncomfortable it, throughout conversations because that's the only way you're going to grow. Like I have to remind myself of that all the time. I'm like, okay, why am I feeling awkwardness here? Like, why am I feeling uncomfortable? It is because, you know, when we don't put ourselves out there to have those kind of conversations, we just kind of fit within this bubble and we're not willing to kind of go there and, and advocate for ourselves. Everything you just said is so on, on point here and thinking about how do we deconstruct some of those social norms that we've been taught over generations? Like we have to create a new norm you know, we have to do it. The generation behind us has to do it. Like we've got to rewrite the norm, right? We've got to make talking about money, talking about what you deserve, um, talking about so many things that we're told not to talk about. We've got to make having those conversations the norm. Yeah. And then not feeling shameful for having the conversation too. Right. I think that's another piece to it. Um, But when you look back on your life, what legacy do you hope that you leave? Um, So, you know, most writers would say that they want their writing to be their legacy. And I definitely want that to be a part of it. But honestly, it's the women of CJ and Wright that I want to be my legacy. So like any woman that I have, encouraged to share their story and I've empowered them to share their their story no matter how they decide to do that whether that is through um, writing an essay writing a whole book writing poetry um, doing a podcast doing a blog a YouTube channel whatever however they decide to share their story if I have empowered them to do that then that I feel like is my legacy because because then it's bigger than me you know like I feel like you're the point of a legacy is that it's supposed to be bigger than you and so that's why I feel like the women of CJ Wright are my legacy yeah I love that so what advice do you have for other women looking to make potentially a career change or maybe go full-time into uh, writing in in different forms like what advice do you have for those who are looking to do that So first, figure out how you want to make money as a writer, because there's so many different ways to do that. So I make most of my money as a freelance journalist, but there's so many different ways that you can make money as a writer. So figure out how you want to do it. Um, Then tell everybody. (laughs) And so a lot of people get uncomfortable when I say this, because we've been taught to kind of like keep our our dreams close to our chest, which I understand. You don't want um, to tell the wrong people your plans, but it is important to start telling people. And this is why I say that. The people that you tell can open doors for you. They can make you aware of opportunities. They can mention your name when they are in rooms that you are not in. So many of my opportunities have come to me because of other people talking about me, right? So um, so start telling folks what you want to do. And then, um, and then make a plan. Like so often we, you know that quote, um, 
a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? So if it's your goal to write full time, again, figure out how you plan to make your money and then start developing that plan of like, okay, here's how I'm going to balance writing part-time with my full-time job while I build up the side hustle, right? And then figure out, okay, this is what I need to do to make the side hustle my full-time job. So, so yeah, figure out how you want to make money. Tell a bunch of folks who can help you make the money and make a plan to make it your full-time gig if that's what you want. Or you could just keep it as your side hustle. It makes nice vacation money. Uh, that's what I did when I was teaching. I freelanced on the side and used that money to go on vacation. So. Nice. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. So my favorite question to ask is, how do you define success for yourself? Um, That's a great question. And I do think everybody should have their own definition. I feel successful if I am creating if I feel happy and not stressed (laughs) and if I feel like I am adding value to other people in some way Um, so whether that's inspiring them educating them uh, equipping them with something that they need Um, yeah so those are kind of my things I've got to I need to be creating that's number one Uh, I want to not be stressed out (laughs) because that is very easy for me to fall into. And I want to be adding to people's lives, enriching people's lives in some way. Yeah, I love that. That's great. All right. Well, now it's time for the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. Get excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little scared, but okay. (laughs) All the hype. So just get get ready. It's a rapid fire game. I'm going to list out adjectives and this is your chance to really shout out some amazing women doing awesome things in their community, um, at their place of work or women that you even aspire to be one day. And so just shout them out and give us a quick little snippet of, of who they are and we'll keep it moving. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First word is successful. Um, successful. The first person that comes to mind is my friend Jackie Jones uh, because she's been having so much success in her business lately. She um, has a boutique marketing agency called One Degree Marketing um, and she's just awesome. She's been winning a bunch of grants. She's been growing her business and I'm so proud of her. Next word is passionate. Passionate. Um, I would say, um, a friend of mine, her name is Jasmine Shaw, and she is very passionate about just elevating women's voices. And one of the things that she's been doing is this program called Share the Mic, where she, and it's something that was done nationally, but she created one for Birmingham and now she's expanded it to Alabama, where, um, basically she gets Um, organizations and um, white influencers to um, give their Instagram accounts over to a black woman in the community for a day um, so that, you know, it can amplify their voices. That's awesome. Next word is authentic. Authentic. 
There's a woman I follow on Instagram. I don't know her, like personally. Her name is Hannah Reese. She's just, she has this Instagram account that I love that's all about like trying to dispel those just certain body image myths. And she's just really authentic and I really appreciate that. The next word is resilient. So I have, again, another friend. I have cool friends, right? Um, but she uh, is also a part of Jane, right? And I had the pleasure of writing about her recently. Her name is Olivia Afuso. And she is just ridiculously strong. And no matter what happens in life, she just keeps, so she's an ultra runner, which means she runs long for periods longer than a marathon and no matter what's going on like if she's got personal life stuff going on if she even if she's like not feeling well she's still running she's still out there and she just uh she's just so strong and she's in her 50s so you know anybody who's like oh i'm over 40 so i can't work out um no <laughs> just stop and look at her so so yes i would say she's very resilient all right last word brave i would say there is a freelance writer that i follow and we know each other um her name is l'oreal and you can find her on social at lt in the city she as i mentioned is a writer and over the past year or so, she, or actually probably more than that, she's been very open about her struggles with infertility. And I think you have to be very brave to, to talk about something like that. Um, and even now, so now she's pregnant, which is fantastic. Um, but there, she talks, about, she's been very open about how there's a lot of emotions that have been coming around, coming along with that as well. And like I said, she's just been very open and I think it's very brave to do that. Awesome. Well, that ends the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. Great job. Um, so how can our audience find you? What is your shameless plug? <laughs> so my shameless plug, um, you can go to the C. Jane Wright website at cjanewright.net. Um, as far as social media, our Facebook group is the best way to kind of hang out with the community. You can just search for CJ Wright Network and you'll find a Facebook group. Um, if you want to hang out with me on social media, Instagram is the best place to find me. And I'm at CJavasia Wright. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Javasia, for coming on. I have just really enjoyed getting to pick your brain and kind of hear your heart and how you're continuing to grow your incredible business and continue to freelance and i just wish you all the best and keep doing your thing girl love it thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to another episode of the ladies who lead podcast looking for another way to engage with the ladies who lead podcast check out our instagrams and our show notes at the ladies who lead and don't forget to check out our website www.theladieswholead.com until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.